0: Welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question Is your sleep making you tired? I'm your host, Tara Clancy. Join me each week for the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you banish counterfeit sleep and have more energy increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love. Go ahead and subscribe, and you'll get each new episode as soon as it goes live. If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. The Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, Season 1, Episode 22. What do you do when you've got pain and it keeps coming back? It could be pain from playing softball on the weekends. It could be pain from spending too much time on a screen. It could be a full-blown migraine when you wake up. The point is this. If you get pain and it keeps coming back, you need more than pain medication. To get relief from recurring pain, you need to dig a little deeper because your pain just may be a sign of a hidden sleep problem. Our guest today is Dr. Michael Geis, a solutions-oriented osteopathic physician. When Dr. Geis noticed that 30% of his patients dealt with recurrent pain, he decided to do some digging. That led to specializations in sleep problems and airway health, which resulted in dramatic improvements for his patients. The insights Dr. Geist shares in this conversation will make you think about pain in new ways and give you hope that you can live pain-free again. Listen in and get answers to these questions. Why is recurrent pain a sign of hidden sleep problems? What does a recessed chin have to do with counterfeit sleep? And how can you dig deeper to help you avoid the common feel pain, take pain medication cycle? Let's dive in. Well, hello, Dr. Geis, and welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast.
1: Hey, Tara, how are you?
0: I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on to talk with us today. I mean, you and I have had so many conversations. You've been treating me for years, and I am forever grateful for all the wonderful Uh, you know, work that you've done and all the things that you've taught me along the way. And so I'm really glad to have this opportunity to talk with you today to share some of those things with our listeners. Um, In particular, I love the way you've always talked about, you know, pain and really what what we should be thinking about uh, in terms of pain far too many times, I think, we just accept it, you know, we accept it as the result of an injury, and we're just going to be stuck with that kind of pain, we accept it as just getting older, and we're just going to have to be live with pain. But uh, I don't think that you really necessarily believe any of that, Uh, you know, that that, and you have some very, um, you know, some really good thoughts and and a really great perspective on pain. uh, And especially as it as it relates to sleep. So can we get started talking about that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. And you know, pain is something that is very common and as one of my mentors said to me it's the reason why they're coming into your office nobody's coming into your office when they feel good nobody's getting out of their warm you know comfy clothes or off their couch if they're feeling comfortable they're going to come into your office and they're going to look for help if they're in pain and so trying to tease through pain is so multifactorial from inflammatory issues to traumatic issues and age-related issues like you said And i think a lot of people have gotten used to the idea of seeing pain feeling pain and trying to get rid of it or trying to avoid it and like we were discussing i look at pain like it's a signal it's a message it's how we know to take our hand off of a hot stove it's how we know if we've got a pebble in our shoe we want to try to understand the message that our body is sending us with pain and Trying to find people that can help you tease that out and, and people who will look outside the box is, is really important because a lot of the times it's your pain management specialist or your, your family physician and we often go to NSAIDs, we often go to muscle relaxers, we go to heat and cold and things like that. And they work and they work really well. Um, and, you know, I take a Motrin every once in a while and, and, and every once in a while I'll have a, a colleague or a friend help me out with, you know, pain in the neck or shoulder or muscle that's spasming.
0: And when you say, <clears throat> excuse me, when you say help you out, do you mean using the, the muscle manipulation therapy kind of uh, thing or something else?
1: There's lots of things from injection therapies, to stretching therapies, to manual manipulation therapies, osteopathic manipulations. Um, one of my um, colleagues and friends that I go to a lot does gyrotonics. So that's a, a movement that I tend to have a stiffer body. And so I will collect pain as stress and time hits my body and my muscles get stiff. Hmm. So I go to this guy who does gyrotonics, his name is Edvin. And, um, when he moves my body in a certain way with certain gyroscopic, you know, machines, um, it just loosens my body because it gets blood flow into the areas that are kind of hypoxic and and starving for oxygen.
0: Oh, interesting. I don't think I don't think I even ever heard of that treatment before, but okay, cool. And you know what you just mentioned there, you know, hypotoxic, like low in oxygen. Mm -hmm. Can you just tell a little bit about why uh, why being muscles with low oxygen would create pain, just uh, you know, like a high level, because I, I haven't thought of it like that. And I think it would be interesting to hear.
1: The, the interesting thing about a muscle is that its blood flow is usually in the middle of it. And so anytime a muscle gets tight and it squeezes down on itself or it contracts, it starts to reduce its own blood flow. And so ah. blood brings oxygen and the more a muscle contracts and the longer it stays contracted, it gets less fluid. It gets less blood. Almost like if you took your finger and you kinked the hose in the garden hose in the backyard, less fluid comes out, less water comes out. Mm-hmm. So when our muscles get tight, less oxygen gets delivered and less lactic acid gets cleared. And that's why sometimes when people go to the gym and they work out their arms a lot, their arms feel all swollen. They actually are puffy because the muscle got contracted so hard, it actually cut off its own blood supply and mm-hmm. it starts to kind of swell and inflame in and on itself. So oh,
0: interesting. And then, so is it the same thing with a cramp? Like the, is the muscle literally like, you know, twisting or, or enlarging somehow to again, cut off the blood flow uh, or is that different?
1: It, it, there can be neurologic reasons why a muscle will have um, a, a signal inside of it to start to contract and to resist being overstretched. And so cramps, you know, low magnesium, you know, electrolyte imbalances, things like that. But, you know, sometimes you move your neck too quick and it causes a spasm and you get like a cramp in your neck. And that just has to do with the rate or the speed at which a muscle moves. It was too quick. So lots of different reasons for muscle cramps. Interesting.
0: Okay. Wow. All right. So um, I think we can probably, if we can, can we connect this a little bit to to sleep and some kind of pain um, that you know people may feel certain kinds of pain and not relate it necessarily to, sleep problems, you know, that it could be driven by a sleep problem or that the, you know, it's an overuse thing that's contributing to a sleep problem. Can we kind of tease that out a little bit? You know, since we talk about counterfeit sleep here on this podcast,
1: (laughs) what could pain be telling us about our sleep and and maybe vice versa? You know, so this wasn't something that I connected dots in medical school or in residency. And it actually hit me when I was in practice and I had this. Subset of, of, of patients that wouldn't get better with standard care. And so these patients were coming in with neck pain and upper back pain. And I called them the 30%. You know, 60% of the people that I treat with neck pain using typical things like heat, ice, rest, activity modification, manual treatments, injections, they get better. And then there was this 30% that wouldn't. And each time they came back, I would examine them. I would evaluate their bones, their structure, and their muscles, and it was almost like I hadn't done anything. It was almost like the, the tension in their body came back 100%, and I was perplexed by this, and I started questioning myself, like, am I doing a good job? Am I doing what's right by these patients? But as I dived into their history a little bit more, it turned out that these, pa- these patients were tired. It turns out they w- that they were waking up with pain. It turned out that they were actually waking from sleep in the middle of the night because of pain mm. and that's really odd and then i started looking at physical structures and, and, and examining their their mouth and their throat and things like that and coming to say like oh you know your your airways small and you're having problems sleeping at night i wonder if this is related to your pain and as we start addressing this kind of 30 percent of that population not with like typical stretch, heat, ice, NSAIDs and things like that, but sleep ergonomics, you know, sleep hygiene, um, trying to work on nasal breathing and things like that, their neck pain, their back pain, their shoulder pain started getting better. And that was like this big aha moment that I needed to ask everybody, not just patients that weren't um, um, responding the way that I, I thought they would you know, with the, you know, the standard therapeutics, I put it into my, my history and physical questioning and saying, like, how do you sleep? Every patient now. Do you have headaches when you wake up every single time? Um, because I want to start treating those patients and, and getting to the root of the problem, that it might not be, you know, the keyboard at work or the fact that they play baseball, you know, on the weekends that hey they're having these problems cuz of sleep and, and, and breathing issues. So yeah,
0: I mean I am completely uh, on board with that. It, it, we we have a a saying that we always say on the podcast and it's like use the XYZ formula and it's like mm-hmm. if you have problem X, right? Whatever it is, you know, ask why and make your sleep your primary suspect because I think there there are so many times that we just don't connect the dots. I know that was my case too, right? Ask yourself today's most important health and wellness question, is your sleep making you tired? Go to isyoursleepmakingyoutired.com and get your copy today. And the other thing that I like that you said that you're asking all your patients this now too is, you know, because if we think about sleep problems, there is definitely this continuum, right? There's there's healthy sleep at one end, and then at the other end, there's clinical sleep apnea where you are stopping breathing, you know, and, and you're, you know, as it's defined now, your blood levels are dropping and all that, but there's a huge range in the middle. And so if we can help people who are slowly marching along this continuum and help them before they get to that clinical presentation, we can all be a lot healthier, healthier. So I'm so glad to hear that.
1: That spectrum changes over time which makes it very tricky to identify. And that's why I think a lot of clinicians struggle with identifying sleep issues because you might have worse sleep in allergy season. You might have worse sleep when it's the winter time and it's really dry outside and your nose is getting chapped and the humidifier is going on and there's mold. So everything is variable. And the one thing that struck me about pain related to sleep is that it kept coming back. It kept coming back when you put the right ergonomics, the right stretching, the right medications and therapeutics in, it was no matter what we were doing, the pain would just keep coming back. So that was my big red flag is like, oh, you're seeing your acupuncturist, you've seen the orthopedist, you've seen the person who's working on your form and your function and your posture um, and nothing's working. And it's been this way for years. And then you start diving into their history and they had issues in high school or they had mm-hmm. issues in college, or maybe they even dropped out of college because of migraines or headaches. And you keep teasing that out and it's always these waking headaches. So it's, it's really interesting to, again, that X, Y, Z is really great Finding the cause really changes their life, and you give people hope for the future when their pain gets better.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and often that happens with these patients when you, when you add sleep. I wanted to mention, it's very common to have sleep problems, breathing problems. I think that's really underestimated in our population, yeah. and it should be a question on every single person's mind, like, how am I sleeping? And often it's our spouses or significant others will be, that's my indicator is how I'm sleeping is if my wife is punching me and nudging me in the middle (laughs) of the night saying like, you're snoring and (laughs) I know I'm doing a good job either with something that opens my nose or sleep ergonomics if she's sleeping well. Right,
0: right, right. Or, or, the flip side too, if your wife is ready to divorce you, you know that neither yeah. of you are getting the sleep that you need to have the emotional uh, right. reserve. And, and in fact, as you mentioned about how common it is, um, you know, if you that study that was done, the hypnolaw study, which said, you know, fifty percent of men and twenty five percent of women are are dealing with some form of um, of a sleep problem and, and the majority of them do not even know. So that, that really is a big reason for the podcast too, to just to help people start to say, wait, wait a second, it's that prevalent, especially because we all- We'll tend to laugh at snoring. I mean, snoring is really like the first sign and that you're you're on your way to to uh you know, you've crossed over from healthy sleep into into unhealthy sleep. And what do we do? We laugh at grandpa when he's snoring in the cou- oh, on the couch, I right? Or to
1: shake the walls and <laughs> wanted to sleep in the same cabin as him because it was so bad.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: He died early of a heart attack. You oh. know, and so if, if we had addressed his sleep, that might've been something that gave him some longer longevity because sleep problems do affect every single system in your body. They affect your brain. They affect your heart. They affect the cardiovascular system in general. They affect your immune system and they affect the musculoskeletal system. So I don't know that there's anything more important than looking at somebody's breathing and somebody's sleep. And if nothing else, just making sure that that's not the cause. I don't think anybody is I don't think medicine is set up to do that. They're, they'll look at it when you're an obese male with a short, wide neck, and you're coming in with fatigue and headaches. But you know, I see five-year-olds skinny with long necks who have sleep apnea and breathing problems and diagnosed on sleep studies and confirmed the breathing problems, and and they're skinny young five year olds, and, and yeah. that's just really alarming. So yeah, yeah, you know,
0: even a uh, Dr. Raphael Barry Raphael that we both know, who um, you know works with with kids who are dealing with this, he has told me like anecdotally, he says as many as ninety percent of kids are dealing with sleep problems, and I and I and my response, oh, I haven't seen that, you know. And he said, well, it's just based on how many kids are going to need. Uh, orthodontic work right because you right. know if, if their teeth aren't fitting in their jaws right they've got crowded teeth and that's really a sign that everything hasn't developed sufficiently to allow them to breathe well enough uh, while they're sleeping so yeah it's definitely something we should all be Uh, Every, every practitioner should have awareness and, 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 and while we, well, I think while we build the professional awareness, what we need to do in the interim is build the individual's awareness to go in and say, Hey, you know, I think I'm, I may be having trouble with this. Who do I see? What right. do I do? You know, and, and really try to be able to get, um, get some help because like you said, it does affect every system. And, you know, I've heard, uh, at a talk, I was at a doctor said that, you know, by the time you are diagnosed with clinical sleep apnea, you are actually an end stage disease because every system in the body is impacted by them. So what we really want want to do everybody
1: has a different ability to bounce back right so it is an end stage disease but there's always hope and no matter absolutely trying to fix it at five or at 95 you're improving the system's tolerance and and that's really important that you know I get that question a lot is it too late is it too late to start working on this and and it's never too late right Right. I agree I I think that number of 90 percent that Dr. Rayfield is talking about is is not an exaggeration I think we do have some bias in our clinical practices because the people who come in, like in my practice, people come in when they have pain. You know, Mm -hmm. People will come into his office when they have dental crowding. He sees 90%, I see 90%, but I also see 90% when I go to the bus stop. And I see 90% when I go to the swim practice, and I see 90% when we go to bingo night. You just have pathognomonic features and just if you just look at middle school how many kids are sitting there with braces in their mouth you know it's it's who hasn't had their wisdom teeth pulled yeah who who doesn't need some sort of straightening or or alignment in here and what people need to realize is this is your intake valve you know if you were trying to snorkel mouth right you had a narrow aperture at the top of the snorkel you would struggle to breathe so Yeah. yeah this is the 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 easiest thing for clinicians to do is just say, "Open up and then look inside." and we're unfortunately not really trained well enough how to do that,
0: right, right. And you know, when you mentioned about seeing it everywhere, like once you know, right, you do see it and I right. can't you look. Have to look for, it. yeah, yeah. And I was watching wow, um, I think it was the um the movie of the um uh, the laurel oh uh, what was. The uh, no, the Laurel Ingle, A uh, Little Women. I was watching oh. Little Women, and and I'm looking at each actress or actor's face when they're in profile, and you can see yeah. the, the the recessed nature of the chins, and and so what what's happening is that's becoming the norm. So it's what we think is normal, right? right? And what we really need to, to recognize, kind of, like I said before, connect the dots to say that it's actually a sign and not really just, hey, this is just how we all look now and different. And, and different. Been
1: underdiagnosed for forever. And it's starting to come to the forefront. And since mm-hmm. it's been underdiagnosed for so long, standard interventions have not been addressing it specifically. And many times they've been making it worse. And yeah. so- when all these people are running around with retruded maxillas and retronathia and noses that. Yeah, right, let's just explain
0: that the retruded maxilla, when the upper jaw is pulled back because teeth right. have been removed, right, to straighten. Te- something yeah, I run have
1: on the front and push the teeth yes. backwards to make it cosmetically yeah. appealing.
0: I did a uh, an interview that we'll have coming up soon with um, Dr. Bill Hang, who's a dentist, who has the ERS, um, uh, you know, um, intellectual property. And it's um, basically getting at people who have had their teeth extracted and yeah. then the remaining teeth retracted and that they come to regret that. You know, that was my case as, as you know well. Uh,
1: Every single patient that we identify in my practice with sleep disorder breathing or breathing issues at night, they all can go back in time and talk about their teens having teeth removed, braces placed, and they'll start to identify chronic fatigue patterns, headaches, migraines. Oh yeah, that's right, it started at 14. When did you have braces? 13.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So
1: it's not that all braces are bad, it's just there's a certain way to expand and include the airway and help make it bigger and grow forward so that it's a better snorkel um, rather than making it smaller and, and, and making it a worse aperture for air. Yeah. It's like the, the goal should
0: not be to line up the teeth. The goal should be to make the face grow forward and accommodate the teeth. Not, you know, not on, not pull, teeth to um, make just the teeth, like the face, the face has to look good afterwards, right? If, if you have to smile to see the output, but the, you know, when the face is not smiling, you have the retruded look, yeah. and then you know that it, you weren't well served there. And then it's, it's, it's bigger stays- than a cosmetic problem for
1: sure. In function are interrelated. Yes, absolutely. So you can't so- change this form and make the function worse. You got to change this form and make the function better.
0: Yes, yes, and absolutely keep the eye on the prize function is our top, (laughs) top obligation, if we can't breathe, we're in trouble. So, um, so what do you think? um, What would you say like one or two quick takeaways would be um, just in kind of in a kind of recap for people who are listening and thinking, I do have pain, what 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 should people really start to think or
1: do? Pain that wakes you up, or pain that you wake up with that gets better throughout the day and it recurs almost every single morning or every single night that's a problem that's a problem that needs to be addressed through you know analyzing sleep and analyzing breathing um pain that maybe is more variable in its time and it's not specifically related to waking up or nighttime but it's chronic and you've tried everything And everybody from acupuncture, physical therapy, orthopedists, manual therapy has helped a little, but it comes back. You get a day or two of improvement, hour or two improvement, and it always comes back. You're almost like locked or trapped in that pain. Mm. That pain needs to be assessed for sleep and and breathing issues.
0: Yeah. And I think, I I mean, I would would, um, kind of couch it this way to say that, when you are sleeping at night, that's when the body is doing its, re- when the brain is doing the repair of the body, really. So if you're not getting the right yeah. um, restorative sleep, if you're getting counterfeit sleep, that would could be a reason that that pain is just continuing. I mean, would you, um, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, it's the teenagers that I'll use this analogy because you know they're always on their screens. I'll say your your battery's always on orange. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to get restorative sleep to go back to green, but your sleep is taxing. It's not recharging you. You wake up, you're on orange, you get to red by the end of the day, orange, red, and you're just always stuck in that pattern. So yeah, exactly. Sleep needs to recharge you or restore you. And and, and that's a great way to put it. Yeah.
0: We are totally on board there. I'm totally on board with you because that's what I always talk about using the cell phone uh, analogy as well. You know, if you don't get that restorative sleep, you wake up, you have a partially charged battery, and before you know it, you're in low power mode. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this has been great. So, as we finish up, um, Mike, can you? Um, I have two more questions for you. First one is, I always like to ask a guest to tell um, what they would put on a billboard uh, in terms of what they'd like people to kind of take away or know. And of course, when you think of a billboard, there are two things. You know, One is it's relatively small and people drive by relatively fast. So what message would you want to put up on a billboard to help people um, really know?
1: And I think the message that's in large print would be sleep is important. It, it mm. might be the most important thing. And I think in the small print, what I would put is keep digging. Keep digging. Fortunately, there are not enough like-minded providers that know how to tackle this. This isn't something that you you go get CPAP and it's fixed. This isn't something where you have a surgery and it's fixed. And that's the way a lot of providers practice. So it's really important to find the right people to work with who are going to steer you in the right direction um, and looking for airway-centric dentists and airway specialists, you know, you, you often want to have two or three opinions to see what the consensus is. So keep digging. Yeah,
0: I can completely agree with you. And I can tell you uh, by the time like a, a, a client finds me and they'll say, Listen. I, I just do not want to do anything. My wife has been complaining for years, but I don't want that CPAP machine. I'm yeah. not dealing with that sleep hat machine. Yeah. So if you're going to tell me that that's what I should do, it's not what I, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and so people have put up such a wall, understandably, because I, I wouldn't want to use one either, but, um, I think it, it has for so long been the one tool that's been available through the medical world that, you know, people don't realize there are other options. And so like you said, keep digging because there absolutely are things that you can do to get back to a healthier, um, healthier sleep, really. Uh, so perfect. And then last thing would be where, um, if someone wanted to connect with you, where would they do that?
1: Um, I think the, Best way is we have an office website. It's IFMCT, Integrative Family Medicine of Connecticut. So, ifmct.com.
0: Okay. I will definitely put that in the show notes uh, so people can connect. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate you coming on to talk about pain today because it's so important and it is so relevant to uh, so many of the sleep problems that we have. So hopefully people can make some headway on that and start feeling
1: better. Happy you're getting the message out there. Oh, thank you.
0: A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the sleep performance assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R Sleep. That ends this episode of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question Is your sleep making you tired? Follow us to get the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you take your counterfeit sleep journey. And leave us a review to help other people find us. Thank you. And remember, if your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite
0: Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.